0: Reclaiming Identity, sharing stories of struggle, pride, and redemption in reconnecting with our heritage. Hi, I'm Dora, and I'm Dahlia, and we're bringing you Reclaiming Identity as part of the ASF Institute of Jewish Experience. Do you feel a part of the Jewish story? Is your family what pops up when people think of Jews? At Reclaiming Identity, we celebrate and explore the greater Jewish experience. We encourage you to tell your story and take pride in your heritage as it is a part of your identity. Listen to other people's stories, ask questions, be curious, and and reclaim reclaim your your identity. identity. I had the pleasure of interviewing Ellie Rudy, who has a story a bit different than the ones we've heard on the podcast so far, because she is of Ashkenazi descent. Ellie Rudy is a culinary journalist and tour guide based in Jerusalem. She was born and raised in Seattle and often writes about the intersection of the culinary arts and culture, history and Jewish identity. She has met with and written about Jewish communities globally from the mountain Jews of Azerbaijan to the Jewish community of Havana, Cuba. Ellie's articles have been published widely including in Forbes, USA Today, Jerusalem Post, Jewish News Syndicate and countless other news outlets around the world. She's the founder and organizer of Jerusalem Cooking Club, a social skill-sharing club for young Jerusalemite foodies, as well as the food retreat Jerusalem Mix, exploring Israeli cuisine. She loves to cook, travel, and write, not at the same time, but as she would say, challenge accepted, and host people at her apartment for food-centered events. You're here to tell a different story, one of migration from the U.S. to Israel and how that influenced your view of the Jewish world. Do you want to give us a bit of an introduction
1: of that view? Sure. So my view of immigrating, of the Jewish world, of all that, I I kind of frame it as this. The US, as we know, is a melting pot where people are encouraged to become American and to become something somewhat singular. While Israel, I view much as a mosaic where there are different tiles, different pieces, and different cultures, and they come to Israel and they're encouraged to retain their identity and celebrate their identity. And it comes together to create something really really beautiful like a mosaic. So that's kind of how I how I frame the difference between U.S. and Israel, where I came from and where I am now. And like you mentioned, I came from Ashkenazi Jews and my definition of that identity or my experience with that identity is a pretty, I guess, what you would say, average view of American Judaism, which is something that is Ashkenazi, I think. I think that's like what we view as the norm. And, you know, it's eating bagels and lox. It's kind of this like Mm post-Holocaust view. Whereas in Israel, I think that perspective completely changed. this mosaic includes different types of people, includes different types of cultures and foods and colors and when i came to israel i i really saw that i saw even even the language is a bit different i have a friend who who tells us well but she was born in the u.s and her daughter was born in israel and she said her the daughter said to her mom like oh where were you today she said oh i went to i went to a bris and the daughter was like, what, a bris? What's that? And she's like, you know, a bris, like a brit milah. And she's like, oh, a brit? Why didn't you just say that? And so I think uh, I think there are many ways that you can see in Israel that this is kind of a, a place of a mosaic. And that's what I think makes it really beautiful. I, I definitely <laughs> agree.
0: But I'd say what's maybe interesting is where... You come from specifically in the U.S. Can you Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about where you were born and where Mm -hmm. your family is
1: from? Absolutely. So I'm from Seattle. That's where I was born and where I grew up. And my family goes back a few generations in the U.S. My mom's family is originally from Poland, from the Stadels in Poland. My dad's family is from, I think, Ukraine, Germany. I have more of a connection to my mom's side of the family. But in Seattle growing up, it was... It was a really interesting mix of people, I think. It was mostly Ashkenazi, and then we had we have still today a large community of Jews from Greece and from Turkey, so I had a bit of influence from that growing up as well.
0: Which is why I think it's interesting because I I definitely agree that the US today is more Ashkenazi, mm-hmm. but the, its roots were Sfardi. Obviously mm-hmm. they didn't come to Seattle directly, mm-hmm. but um, there's a large Sephardi base uh, that really brought the Jews to, to the U.S., which mm-hmm. I think is interesting. And you came in contact with some of that, mm-hmm. um, those Sfardi roots. Yeah. Um, so when, when you were young, were you told stories of your grandparents, your great-grandparents' old country?
1: Yes, I definitely was, more from my mom's side. I was told, well, first of all, one interesting story is my, so my family came from a few different shtetls in Poland, and they came to the U.S. Uh, to seek a better life for, I guess, economic success, and they went to the U.S., and they realized this isn't, like, kosher enough for us, and this isn't from enough for us, so they ended up going back to Poland after they moved to the U.S. When this was, this was, this was... This was Probably in the 30s, I think maybe the early 30s, they mm-hmm. went back um, well, actually first they had a child in the US. then they went back, it was before the Holocaust. Then when World War II broke out, the Holocaust started happening. The reason why they were able to get back to the US is because they had a child who was born there. Uh-huh. So the stories I heard from the old country were actually the stories I heard were most of that mostly of that transition between the old and the new and mm-hmm. the new and the old. This isn't particularly the old country, but it's maybe the old country perspective. My great grandfather would go and get kosher geese for like holiday meals, Shabbat meals. And there's a story of him uh, on the way back from getting one of this, a goose. And he was speeding on the road because he wanted to get back in time for Shabbat. And a policeman stopped him and was very confused about why he had a, a goose in the back of his trunk. So um we hear funny anecdotes about about kind of this old country perspective and when they came to the US were they
0: they went straight to Seattle or they went through New York Chicago they they
1: went the through west. New York um but pretty early on they went west my dad's side of the family as well went to San Francisco first mm-hmm. both ended up in in Seattle so when did when did they um, in
0: terms of time frame, when did they come to Seattle and stay in Seattle and not go back to Poland? When was that?
1: Ah, so that was that. I'm not sure exactly. Um, it was my grandmother who was born in '39, grew up in Seattle. Ah, so it was quite early
0: going back to your experience in seattle Mm -hmm. you said that it's mostly ashkenazi but there is a strong uh, sephardi community Mm -hmm. what was your interaction with them did you feel a distinction between the two communities there
1: so i I definitely felt a distinction between the two communities to an extent at least each of the communities had their own shuls and still have their own shuls but growing up maybe maybe it's because i was a bit naive but I didn't feel like the separation between Ashkenazim, Sephardim, Mizrahim was um, a heavy thing. It was just kind of like, oh, you're from here, I'm from there. That's what it is. You have some different foods that you eat, and that's fine. Um, and of course, in Israel, there's it's there's a whole history there. Like, there's discrimination, and um, even still today. But, yeah, and I don't want to minimize that. But I think it, it's kind of like a light a light thing that there are just different people in Seattle and they belong to that shul, we belong to this shul. I guess similar to like, I I grew up in a conservative shul and other people grew up in Orthodox or Reform and um, it was just similar, just like different types of of Jews. But I actually did have some interaction with, uh, especially the Turkish community, because my grandmother's partner for most of my life uh, was Turkish. So he brought into our family Ladino and wow. different types of foods and a different culture, which was really special. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, so that that's what I was going to ask. Where mm-hmm. where was the interaction?
0: So would you say someone who didn't have a grandmother with a partner who was from mm-hmm. that community, how, how would there have been the interaction? Because I understand like the different shuls and everyone's Jewish, but... Where, where would you see the gathering or the interaction between the communities?
1: I think it just really happened naturally. Like, I, I think of, so my grandmother's partner, we grew up with, with his daughter especially, and his grandchildren were, like, we, we viewed them kind of like our cousin, mm-hmm. um, and they were, I don't know, just part of our community, and they're our friends and there, w- there was interaction that happened naturally. And it's funny because actually my cousin, so her mom is Turkish and her dad's Ashkenazi. So she used to call herself Ashka mm-hmm. And it was just kind of like a an interesting, funny thing. But I, I would say it was pretty, pretty integrated.
0: When you were growing up, were, was there, were you in a Jewish school or in a Hebrew school? And what was sort of the narrative, the Jewish mm-hmm. narrative that you were um, hearing while you were there, and was it something that you
1: connected with? So, I was, I grew up, like I said, conservative, and I went to Hebrew school when I was quite young and Sunday school to learn for my Ba' mitzvah. And I went to a public high school, so my Jewish education was pretty much when I was a young person and then up until my Ba' mitzvah. And then after my Ba' mitzvah, my parents found it important for us to continue learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we were in a kind of like an after school Jewish program during during school I was with a whole range of different people and then after school I would usually be with the Jewish community and I felt very much a part of the like larger I would say American Jewish narrative it's yeah I guess I guess I would define that narrative at that time as being I'm from Europe originally um, my family came here. You know maybe during the 30s or 40s and they were very poor but they made it and now we're here mm-hmm. and now we have some we retain some traditions my family in particular um celebrated shabbat with my family every week we celebrated but didn't keep it so i grew up you know lighting candles and having a shabbat dinner together and baking challah whatever um, but after that we could go and do our thing so oftentimes my brother and i would go to our high school football game afterwards. So it was, I guess, a story of coming different, but then kind of becoming American. I for sure had that Jewish identity and knew I was somewhat different, but within within kind of the the broader American society, I, I felt like a typical American Jew. So you talk about it
0: now, but were mm-hmm. you aware of like the Israeli Na- Jewish narrative because you were like focusing on the American mm-hmm. Jewish narrative. Yeah, Did you, were you aware that there was like
1: a world outside of American Jewry? Not at all, <laughs> not at all. Um, I mean, like I knew there were Jews outside of the U.S., but I had no idea really what what their stories were and different histories than mine. And we might have learned a little bit about that in in like Hebrew high school, but. I, yeah, I really wasn't exposed to that much at all. Mm -hmm. So really coming to Israel was the first time that I was exposed to something, something different, different, but the same. Mm -hmm. Even, even
0: let's say the um, Greek or Turkish communities, some of them obviously experienced the Holocaust. So maybe it was part of the Mm -hmm. same story sort of, but was there any talk of Spanish inquisition and how they got there? Or was the narrative more focused on the the Holocaust, moving on to mm-hmm. finding a place in America mm-hmm. and becoming part of that culture.
1: Uh, the narrative was definitely the latter. We did learn about um, how the Sephardian came to the U.S. Mm-hmm. and Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, the narrative was pretty much the latter. So you
0: said when you came to Israel, was the first time you were exposed to it, sort mm-hmm. of. What what was that experience like? What, what do you mean you were exposed to it? Like, mm-hmm. how did that come about? And... What were you feeling at that moment as an American Jew, um,
1: realizing there's this other part? So the first time that I that I came to Israel, I was 17. I was here on the science program in Haifa, and I think really that was the first time I was exposed to like a North African Jew, or at least one that identified himself as that. Um, and was that someone in your program or something? yeah, it was someone in my program who I'm still good friends with. And it so that was the first time I came and we didn't get to explore so much of the culture and we didn't get a tour around as much as I had hoped. But my subsequent my subsequent trips and finally moving to Israel was the first time I saw just the the mosaic that that I referred to. Um, right now, my tour guide in the shook. I do culinary tours in the Shook in addition to the, my journalism. Um, And I think there you can just see, you can see the color, you can see the flavors, you can see the the language, the music, and it's, it's all very, it's beautiful. I guess that's the only word I have for it. It's you can see the distinct cultures um, and you can meet people of all different backgrounds and it's really soulful, I guess. And when you came into interaction with um, this
0: mosaic, mm-hmm. what did it mean for you?
1: When I, when I came and saw all of this, I, first of all, was just really interested to learn more um, and interact more. And I found it really invigorating. It's interesting. When I, when I was growing up, I, I didn't feel like I loved being Jewish so much. I was like, oh, I'd rather play sports than go to Hebrew school, for example. And when I came here and saw just the diversity and how compelling Judaism is and the Jewish people are as here in Israel, that is when I really started to love being Jewish. And I found so much, so much to learn, so much to, to experience, so many people to, to interact with. Who are different than me. And I think I, I view kind of this as a personally, but I think also communally with difference comes growth and challenge and grappling with differences makes us more whole. And I view that, I guess maybe that's one of the reasons why I made Aliyah because it was a challenge and I grew from it. It was different. And I think that as a Jewish people, we're also so much more compelling, so much more whole together. And I would say, now i absolutely when i see different jewish cultures and people of different backgrounds i don't think it's mine i mean i think that i can respect that i'm maybe i didn't grow up that way and i can learn from these people but and i definitely feel a stake in it i'd say that what i see is israeli and jewish culture and it is in a part shared I do feel that's a part of my like broader jewish identity and i think that's that's amazing the reason i ask is maybe more from a, a
0: personal uh place because mm-hmm. obviously i'm half ashkenazi and half Yemenite, mm-hmm. and uh the ashkenazi part survived the holocaust and so that's mm-hmm. part of the story but mm-hmm. the Yemenite part didn't survive the holocaust and grew up in israel mm-hmm. so they still grew up with the story of the holocaust mm-hmm. and so my aunt, um, my Yemenite aunt, uh, goes with her students to Poland um, and she really, like, feels the emotion of mm-hmm. the Holocaust. Yeah. And my grandmother said when she traveled, she didn't want to step into Germany because of mm-hmm. because of the Holocaust. And they both grew up in Israel and grew up with those stories. Now, I just wonder if, if there's a way where, if through education, we could even get to a place where people feel that... Um, that, that pain, um, or want to go explore the the places where um, Iraqi Jews were kicked out, mm-hmm. where Yemenites made that difficult journey to get to Israel, where mm-hmm. Ethiopians made that difficult journey to get to Israel. Like, what if there is a point, if you had experienced it at any point, or if there's a point where in Israel you see that being like, um, or even in the U.S. long term, um, thinking ahead, but um, where that's so much part of the story that they feel that pain that really surprised me that my grandmother feels towards the Holocaust.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think, well, first of course, there's the educational aspect. We have to know about the different histories. And I had the opportunity to interview a man from Iraq, and he told me about his experience and his family's experience during World War II, and I didn't realize that like you mentioned, the Holocaust spread. It wasn't just this singular Ashkenazi thing. And I, once I knew about it, I became more interested in it and learned that the Jewish people, maybe you can kind of um, see commonalities between our experiences, even if we're from different countries and different places in the world, we definitely have a shared history. And I think we can definitely get to that point where we feel we have a stake in each of our different narratives both I guess where they are different and where they're the same and yeah I I'm always interested to hear stories of different Jewish experiences than mine and I, I absolutely view them as part of my Jewish narrative as well based on your
0: experiences then what was um, what what choices aside from mm-hmm. moving to Israel did you make that maybe reflect uh, your interest in these, Mm -hmm. in these topics?
1: So I, well, in my journalism, I'm right now, I'm a freelance writer. I write mostly for the Jewish News Syndicate. Um, And I started a series with them about Jews from Arab lands and where, and I I wanted to hear about their experiences. I talked to mostly people in Israel and the U.S. And I asked them about, their experiences, their stories, their history, their triumphs, their successes and some of the challenges that they've experienced. So I've been really interested in hearing different people's stories. And yeah, as a journalist, I, I try to impart those stories. So I guess you could say that I'm part of helping to tell them, transmit those histories. Yeah, I'm also, like I mentioned, I'm a tour guide of the Shuk. Yeah. And the Shuk is one of my favorite places in Israel, but it's also, I think, one of the places you can most clearly see this mosaic. And what I do on my tours is I bring people and I we taste different foods from, from the entire Jewish world. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Yemenite food, Iraqi Kurdish food. Um, we try some Ashkenazi foods. We try Georgian foods and I guess you can really see um, through the culinary arts, you can, you can really see this, this mosaic and I like to, to show people that and the beauty of the different cultures through the food, but them all coming together on one Israeli dinner table, let's say, and having a delicious meal. And do you get a
0: lot of feedback from, whether it's your journalism or Mm -hmm. from your Shook tours about, maybe maybe you take people who actually know these things, Mm -hmm. but maybe you take people who haven't ever been exposed to it.
1: Like, have you gotten Mm -hmm. feedback from people about that? Absolutely. I think people, most of the people that I guide on my tours, most of them are American, I would say, a mix of Jewish and Mm -hmm. non-Jewish. And people really had no idea, like myself at a younger age, the diversity within the Jewish community. They don't know about the the Aliyah of different communities to Israel. And yeah, it's it's something really new for them as it, as
0: it was for me. So you had to do a lot of research in order to, to get to the point, because I'm assuming mm-hmm. at, through the foods you tell about the communities exactly. and their history as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. A lot of training, a lot of research, um, and I'm still learning more but it yeah i absolutely love love to to show people israel through its food and i think food is a great way to transmit mm-hmm. stories and cultures and history and it's probably more fascinating to have a a shuk tour a market tour here in israel than anywhere else in the world
0: mm-hmm.
1: i definitely agree with that Going back
0: to Seattle, were you exposed to some of the different foods?
1: I was exposed to some of the Turkish foods. Actually, Mm -hmm. now that I think of it, some Persian food as well, but certainly not the, the, the range of different Jewish foods. And it's interesting because there's this kind of question out there about what is Israeli food, and that's something that I talk about on my tours. And Israeli food is a bit hard to define because... I guess, like Israel, the state of Israel is relatively new. What I would consider to be Israeli food is food from all of these different places, as well as um, food that is traditional to Shabbat and different holidays. That's really what Israel is, is this conglomeration of, of different peoples.
0: It's, it's really cool that you chose that route also to explore the Mosaic in Israel. Mm-hmm. When you go back to the U.S., what is your feeling with the community there and and how you have grown in your mm-hmm. knowledge and how they're
1: living. My experience going back and especially sharing what I what I know now, what I've learned um, through food, especially, people are really thirsty to learn different stories and different narratives of the Jewish experience. They love it, they soak it up. And I've done workshops in Seattle mm-hmm. uh, when I've gone back introducing new foods, including one with my, <laughs> it's so funny, I. I made um, barekas for one of my workshops back in Seattle, and everyone everyone's really interested to to try different Israeli foods. I've done. Um, I've also taught people in Seattle how to make shakshuka, mm-hmm. um, a North African dish, and wow, I I make my my cooking today has. Transformed completely. I mean, last night I was making kibbeh, mm. and it's something that I want to bring back to my family and show them. And I know that they're going to be super excited because <laughs> everything that I that I bring back to them is new and it comes with the stories and the history. Because the way it works with my families, you can't just make the food; you have to talk, like talk mm-hmm. all about it and what you know about it and the the where it comes from. And um, so it's definitely gotten me to to learn these so I can so I can teach them and. It's really special, and I do go back. And they and they can deal
0: with the spiciness.
1: Oh yeah. Well, my family in particular. <laughs> my dad has been in the the food industry for for a while. Now he's not, but when I grew up, he was uh, he owned a tea company. So mm-hmm. he would travel to Asia and see Asian cooking and bring it back to our family. So I grew up with actually a lot of spice from this like Asian influence. So I guess I guess it does run in my family to kind of go and learn and experience and then come back with new stories, new recipes, mm-hmm. and yeah. But we we love spice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's awesome then. Yeah, um, not typical Ashkenazi. True, that is true. <laughs> By the way, I made the chilbe with schug in it, so
0: it's quite spicy. That's amazing. Yeah. And do you know the the like the folklore around khilbe? Uh, basically, that's how. Yemenites don't die of heart attacks because all of their breads are really oily, and all the benefits of khilbe like counteract that. So absolutely, I
1: have heard that it's that it's good for breastfeeding. It's, That's yeah. what my Yemeni friends tell me. <laughs> that not that I have had to use that, but um, yeah, I I do know about the many health benefits, and I actually I actually made the khilbe from sprouted fenugreek, which gives even more nutrients. It's oh. not a not a traditional way to make it, but mm. yeah. The one that I made came out green because mm-hmm. I put um, herbs in it as well.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, because I have one ant that makes
0: it that comes out yellow uh-huh. and another that comes out green. So. I'd say
1: it was more yellow before I put the herbs in. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, so aside from going back, what if there was something
1: that you could tell your younger self about the Jewish narrative? What would mm-hmm. it be? This advice I may have heeded, but I would tell myself that learning about the Jewish experience, the Jewish history. Um, and its completion and its mosaic is one of the most beautiful things. Um, it's us. It's our identity, and it's where we're from, and it's also where we're going. So I think for me, it's something that has not only been interesting. It's not only informed my personal life and my career. Even it's something that really makes life whole and beautiful and worth living and that's definitely something that we should explore and uh, it's also something that's worth being preserved. So if there's something
0: that you want uh, future generations to know about Jewish heritage, what would it be?
1: I would say that it's likely a lot more full than you know. So I'd like them to know that, I guess, like I said, it's, it's worth exploring and learning, be curious about it Go out and meet people who are different and learn from them, and once you do that, I think you can kind of see where you can bring in different stories and cultures and perhaps even foods into your own life and your own definition of your Jewish identity.
0: Would you say food is the best way of preserving this culture?
1: I think that food is definitely um, one of the best conduits to, to... Learning about different peoples and sharing with them and and opening up to each other But I think the root of it is really just storytelling um, and Yeah, that is what connects my my journalism and my Shook tours and everything that I do today I also have a cooking club by the way mm. um, and I would say storytelling and food kind of makes that storytelling easier if you sit down with someone, um, especially as Jews, we have to have food. And I, yeah, I think it's definitely one of the best ways. But I guess being curious about stories and be willing to tell your own and storytelling is really, really the best way, I think. Yeah, that's it. Well, <laughs> thank thank you. you so much. Thank you for having me take part, even though my story is a bit different <laughs> than the rest. I think, uh, yeah, maybe that's a good lesson for us. It's good to be open to these things. Yeah. So, thank you.
0: Thanks. Thank you for listening. Reclaiming Identity is produced and edited by Moshe Singer and executive produced by Dalia Arusi and Dora Arusi. Our theme music is by Vanessa Paloma. Be sure to check her out on Spotify. Be a part of the reclamation. Subscribe to the Reclaiming Identity podcast on our website, instituteofjewishexperience.org, on our Facebook page, Spotify, or Apple Music. Follow our programs on our website and the Institute of Jewish Experience channel on YouTube. And please help support these and other ASF Institute of Jewish Experience efforts by donating today.